This episode of Hearsay is sponsored by the Wheels of Justice, a partnership against cancer, benefiting the Children's Colorado Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. For more information, visit wheelsofjusticecycling.org. Colorado's Supreme Court finished hearing cases for the summer on June 30th. Cases on appeal this session with wide-reaching effects ranged from the protection legal marijuana provides against searches to frozen embryos to the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. But the practical impact of cases can get overlooked once they get to the appellate courts. Since those courts decide questions of law and not fact, questions that go up on appeal can get pretty detached from their case's original issues. One case the Supreme Court decided this term, yes, involved a legal question separate from the case's core issue. But it's notable as a textbook example of how the state's court system and legislature relate to each other. This is Hearsay from Law Week, Colorado. I'm Julia Cardi. So, Martinez versus Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. You might have heard of it. A group of activists asked the commission to make a new rule for always putting public health and welfare first when considering new oil and gas development. At the time, the commission's mission was to balance promoting oil and gas development with public health, safety, welfare, and environmental concerns. The commission said it wouldn't consider the new rule. The activists appealed the decision in district court, and their case eventually made it to the state Supreme Court. In January, the Supreme Court said the commission was within its authority when it decided not to consider the requested rule. Cut to early March. State lawmakers introduced a bill to completely overhaul how oil and gas development is regulated. One of the most controversial parts? A mandate that the commission put public health and welfare first when it considers applications for new development. I sat down with Sherman and Howard's Chris Jackson to talk about why the relationship between the Martinez case and Senate Bill 181 encapsulates how the branches of Colorado's government work. It's a case study of keeping politics out of the judiciary, which is a line that's gotten somewhat blurry at the U.S. Supreme Court in the past few years. The Martinez decision that came out, came down through the Colorado Supreme Court, what was it, middle of January, was a decision that at least people in the legal community were really watching this appellate session. But, you know, how might you explain to just somebody who's not a lawyer, what was this decision? Yeah, so I think the decision was technically about a relatively narrow legal question, which had to do with whether a legislative declaration in a law can kind of limit the type of oil and gas development that we can have in Colorado. That was the relatively narrow legal question. But there was a much broader political issue because oil and gas development has just been this major issue in Colorado for several years now. It's been a significant lightning rod. And this was a case that really focused on that issue. And so it got a lot of attention for that reason. In the first paragraph of the Martinez decision, the court drew a hard line between the legal question it took on in the case and the broader debate about oil and gas policy. Jackson said the court was probably trying to ratchet down political rhetoric around oil and gas. And so I think this was really a way for the court to say that this dispute about oil and gas, you've got to take that to the political branches of government, that the judiciary is not going to save you no matter what side you're on. And I think that is exactly what happened. So the day that the Martinez decision was handed down by the Supreme Court, you saw a bunch of legislative leaders <clears throat> saying that they would 
attempt to change the law to introduce legislation to more stringently regulate the oil and gas industry. And the political process I expect will continue that oil and gas development uh, is going to be a big issue in the 2020 state legislative elections. Those who are opposed to SB 181 are likely going to make that a center point of the 2020 races that, that we see that are coming up. And so it really is an example of the judicial branches deciding judicial issues or legal issues and the legislature with the governor are deciding the policy making issues. It is the separation of power system that uh, this, this whole setup was designed to create. You know, in a in a what if scenario here for a second, what do you think the political ramifications or any other ramifications could have been if the Supreme Court had decided to hear the Martinez case on something that went more to the core of what the activists had been asking for? If the Supreme Court had gone out of its way to answer a broader political question or wrote the decision in some way that it was perceived to be wading into political waters more than maybe it should have, I think that could have had a fairly significant impact on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it would have uh, politicized the state Supreme Court more, uh, certainly not nearly to the extent that the U.S. Supreme Court is politicized today, but I think that would have been a negative effect of that. And the second thing, too, is I think we would have seen an even stronger sort of political fight in the General Assembly when they were considering SB 181. The fact that the Supreme Court was addressing a narrow legal question and moved the issue over to the legislature, I think allowed everyone to realize this was a political fight that should be fought there. If the Supreme Court had gotten more involved on the political side, I think that would have actually ratcheted up the political rhetoric and it would have been a, a bigger deal, a bigger fight, a bigger issue that we would have seen in the legislature. In the first paragraph of the Martinez decision, the court drew a hard line between the legal question it took on in the case and the broader debate about oil and gas policy. Jackson said the court was probably trying to ratchet down political rhetoric around oil and gas. Uh, today, Congress is widely and in my view correctly seen as a mostly impotent body that is incapable of passing meaningful legislation on really any issue at all. Uh, again, regardless of political affiliation, regardless which side you would like Congress to legislate on, they just don't seem to be able to get their act together. And as a result of that, you see that political fights are increasingly getting played out in the judicial branch on the federal side. And at the same time, and I think partly as a result of that, the federal courts have become extremely politicized, especially in the last four years. I think we've seen, especially in the last few years, with the fight over the Supreme Court and how much the Supreme Court played into the 2016 presidential elections, that the federal judiciary is becoming very, very politicized in a way that the framers of the U.S. Constitution I don't think ever intended. Keeping independence of the federal courts has weighed on Chief Justice John Roberts' mind. In a rare public statement last November, he rebuked President Donald Trump. Trump had called a judge who ruled against his administration's asylum policy an Obama judge. Roberts responded there are not Obama judges or Trump judges, Bush judges or Clinton judges. Popular rhetoric has expected the solidly conservative Roberts to fill the role of the court's swing vote after Justice Anthony Kennedy retired last summer. Jackson said it serves the appellate courts well to separate cases' legal questions from any political context when they can. He said it helps preserve the court's legitimacy when they take on cases that do have political consequences. At least in my view, the way that this is supposed to work is that the, either the state or the U.S. Supreme Court 
don't go out of their way to answer political questions, and that they consistently try to answer, answer legal questions in a non-political context, in a way that people with very different viewpoints can still agree with, can still think is the right decision for this particular case. And so they can preserve their credibility so that when those cases come up, where they really do have to decide an issue that has political consequences, that people view that decision as legally motivated and not politically motivated. Right, and, and there is a difference between the state and the federal Supreme Court in that way, that the US Supreme Court is drawing cases from across the country and there are so many different cases going on with so many different courts that often there are either circuit splits or uh, state court decisions that the U.S. Supreme Court feels it just has to answer because it cannot allow uh, differences in law across the country to stand. The Colorado Supreme Court uh, is in a little bit of a better position to preserve its credibility as a non-political actor because it doesn't get the same number of high-profile decisions that we see in the U.S. Supreme Court. Colorado's judge selection process also tempers politics in the court system. Having a nonpartisan committee process instead of elections for judges means money just doesn't play a role in the judiciary the way it does in legislative elections and lobbying. Um, you can spend a staggering sum of money in the political realm, and that just isn't true in the judiciary. It's much harder to spend money in a way to influence decisions because judges are intentionally insulated from the political process. You can spend money to bring more lawsuits, and as a lawyer, I think that in large part you get what you pay for, and that if you spend more on a, on a lawyer, that lawyer is often going to be better. That doesn't mean there aren't points in Colorado's judge selection process where politics could seep in. Jackson said political groups could start organizing to influence appointments by the governor and judges' retention elections if they view the courts as a viable way to push their agendas. So judges in Colorado are, open, are up for a retention election every few years, and in general there really isn't any campaigning on those uh, elections, neither for or against. If we start to see political committees getting organized to fight against retentions, and if this becomes more common, I think that's a sign of politicization. And then the other thing too is that judicial appointments have historically not been much of a factor in the race for governor. If that becomes a bigger issue, as we've seen in the presidential races where the U.S. Supreme Court and the federal courts have been a really big issue, that would be another red flag to suggest that courts in the state are also getting politicized. So I would say that I think we're in a very good position now, but it, it's still something that we need to watch out for because we don't want to see that politicization happen. You know, you, you could see that different organizations think that maybe the courts are the best way for them to, you know, win in the judiciary what they couldn't win at the ballot box to try to push particular political agendas through the courts. If that starts happening, if you start seeing more success on one side or the other, again, whether or not that's justified, but if you just see one side getting success through the courts, then you could start seeing people organizing themselves to fight for or against political judge, or particular judges to be retained. I think that's probably less likely to happen, at least in the near future, but it is something to look out for. So, so another interesting point about it is that judges, I think, are ethically prohibited from creating any kind of a political committee of their own to support their own re retention, unless there is some kind of organized opposition to them. So if this were to start going down that path, it would have to be an outside group that said, we're gonna start a politi political committee to oppose this particular judge, and then we'd have to see how that plays out in practice. I'm Julia Cardi for Hearsay from Law Week, Colorado. 
For more episodes of our monthly podcast, subscribe on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud.